Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This episode of Nerdcave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. programs and welcome back to the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and i'm Derek diamond you know i didn't even check to see if the people on twitch can hear the music i hope they can or it's gonna look really weird us sitting here dancing and they can't hear the music (laughs) we'll Uh, leave it up to their imagination yeah just just insert whatever you know put in some like you know uh i don't know big willy style or something in there But uh, uh, we're coming, we're on episode what forty nine right now. Yeah, forty nine. Wow. We're getting old. We're almost to fifty. We're almost like uh, ready for AARP. I know, and in like three months, we'll be ready for uh, retirement. Yeah, exactly. I'm ready for retirement. I don't know about you. Cash that social security check. Yes, get like uh, cheap <laughs> buffets. All get the early bird specials. All that good stuff. Oh, you can't beat the early bird. Oh, yeah. Um, I would tell you what I did today. Um, I went and saw a movie, and uh, I went and saw The Dark Tower. Um, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to save it for our uh, mid-roll where we talk about Audible. Because uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's not looking good. No. it's I, Zip, I'm going to save it. Let's go ahead and ask you, what. how was your day? I know you worked all day. You literally just got into the house and then jumped on uh, Skype to do the show. Yeah, I had to set my laptop up. I got a actually a new setup uh, for those who are watching. Um, out of my office into what's now my 
uh, nerd room slash podcast recording room because I figured the audience would be much more interested in looking at this than a green screen. Yeah. So yeah, I got uh, yeah I got home from work about 15 minutes ago. Had just enough time to grab some water and get everything set up and whatnot. So yeah, it was back to reality. Had to go back to work this week. Uh, I did finish my movie script uh, late last night, so uh, sent it off to some people for uh, for critiques. So we'll see how that goes. I'm ready for my version to critique. That's what I'm waiting for. I'll uh, I, I might have a little <laughs> something for your inbox after the show's over. Awesome. And I uh, just got a um, something in my inbox a little while ago from Mr. Steve Wise, uh, the director cut. The uh, the first mm-hmm. cut of Survey is done, and I am mm-hmm. excited to get to watch it. Of course, it has you know the the sound hasn't been fixed, and there's no music, there's no sound effects, but at least we get to see you know how the movie's going to look. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah, I'm actually meeting with Steve uh, sometime this week. We haven't figured out when yet to go over sound editing. So cool. uh, that'll be. I've never. I haven't really delved into too much audio editing when it comes to film. So that's going to be really exciting to do. Yeah. I wish I could sit in and do that. I've never done audio editing for an actual film. I've done plenty of audio editing as far as uh, music, because I pretty much Mm -hmm. have spent most of my life in recording studios and I worked in one for a while. So it'd be really interesting to do it for a movie. That's one thing I haven't gotten to do yet. Yeah. So I'm really excited for the final version to be done. Um, We both had a lot of fun working on it. I'm excited to see your parts because, (laughs) you know, we weren't on set the same day. So that's going to be exciting. I hope it doesn't suck. (laughs) I'm sure it doesn't. I'm sure it's great. (laughs) But on that note, let's move into the news for this week. Modernized N64 pad finds Kickstarter success. This comes to us from RetroGamer.net. Uh, you probably never heard of the Retro Fighters control pad for the N64, and we could hardly blame you for that. The Kickstarter campaign to make it has barely been up for a day. However, it has already smashed its $13,000 funding goal with 29 days to go. Uh, the original N64 pad is a famously divisive design thanks to an odd three-pronged configuration nicknamed the Trident by fans, which, of course, we talked about this last week. It certainly introduced some good ideas, such as the rear-mounted Z-trigger on the center of the pad, but it was confusing design for newcomers and a very bulky device. Worse yet, the controller has long-term reliability problems. The analog sticks tend to loosen significantly over time as plastic is worn away during regular operation. Um but if you the the new pad, if you take a look at this thing, it's shaped a lot like a um, an Xbox 360 controller, um, yes, and set up a lot like that. And um, I want one of these things <laughs> badly. Uh, if you want the Retro Fighters N64 controller, it'll set you back twenty dollars with an estimated delivery date of November 2017. Larger pledges will uh, will not. Uh, will get you exclusive. It's supposed to posters. say we'll net yeah. you. We'll net you exclusive posters, T-shirts, and your name in the manual. Extra color options will be made available as stretch goals are reached. And you can go to the Kickstarter campaign page by clicking the link in the article. This thing is really nice looking. Like I want this thing because it looks so awesome. It just has a very simple, clean 
but efficient look to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's your it's a plain gray controller, but it's very traditional in design. Yeah. You've got your your joystick on your left along with your D-pad. You've got the start button right in the middle, which is nice. Uh, the C buttons are actually in the uh, the top right, which I actually really like yeah. because you kind of forget that the N64 controller only had the A and B. Yeah. But then it introduced, you know, the the C buttons, and then the GameCube later on had the C stick. Um, I think it's it's a great looking design. Um, this was something that I'm honestly surprised we didn't bring up. The analog sticks on the old controllers are awful. Yeah, they are. Every time I've been to a retro gaming store, I've seen controllers, and the control sticks are just really worn down. Well, if That's, you look at this one, it's it's really nice. It's got like a rounded top to it. Um, almost mm-hmm. like uh, pretty much every you know modern controller has that nice rounded kind of grippy top to it. That'll be nice. Yeah. And plus, I um, just sent Derek a picture the other night. My brother sent me uh, Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time for N sixty four, and I want to play it on this controller. <laughs> oh, I do too. I mean, it's it's twenty bucks. Yeah, it's easily worth twenty bucks. I would pay like twenty five or thirty for this. Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm doing that this week. Yeah, for sure. And it's an estimated delivery date, as you said, of November 2017. That's not that far away. It's only three or four months. So that'll be here before you know it. Well, I'm going to pretty much guess that this was already in production. I don't think they have to do the production. Uh, They probably just needed a little money to get it. um, Like, I don't know, maybe some uh, extra... Uh, manufacturing costs or something like that. So yeah. this thing looks really nice. If you haven't checked it out, please, if you're an N64 fan, please go look at uh, retrogamer.net and check this out. It looks fantastic. And check out the Kickstarter too. I mean, like I said, 20 bucks nets you the controller. Mm-hmm. That's these days. That's not that much money. Oh no, not at all. Especially for something like this. Oh, for sure. And speaking of RetroGamer.net, our next story also comes from RetroGamer. Sega Genesis flashback creates controversy. The system doesn't launch until the end of September, but At Games' new Sega Genesis flashback console has already generated controversy. A number of units have gone out to U.S. gaming outlets for review, and the response has not been favorable. GameStop even warned, or GameSpot, excuse me, warned consumers do not buy At Games' Sega Genesis flashback console. IGN damned it by saying more like trashback, which I'm kind of shocked that they would go that far. Uh, and Gizmodo called it hot garbage. While the sound issues that have dogged at games Mega Drive consoles for years have largely been fixed by this new machine, reviewers complained of very unresponsive wireless control pads and emulation that exhibits notable slowdown on both the built-in games and those played via cartridge. Now, in response, at games has issued a statement claiming that the units sent out for review weren't representative of the final products. When contacted by Kotaku, the company claimed a batch of our review units were accidentally shipped out with early software builds that do not represent the final version. Interesting. Yeah. Why would you Very interesting. Why would you bother sending these out if they're not the final Exactly. Uh, you know, product. That just that doesn't make any sense to me and I've heard too many bad things about this 
the, this console, especially I, I haven't really heard anything good about any previous at games uh, stuff. So I'm, I'm just not even going to bother picking this up. And the reason I put this in is because we talked about this last week and mm-hmm. uh, this is pretty much what I was talking about. Um, all these different, you know, gaming sites are just pretty much just saying this thing is just trash. The prototype or, you know, the non-final versions should not even be in a position to be able to be sent out. So that's, you know, that's their first mistake. And in theory, this should be a good competitor to the SNES Classic. But since this this brand at games does not have a very reliable reputation, I, I don't see this thing really doing that well. No. I don't either. And, you know, as, as much as we've bashed Nintendo, we know that they make a reliable product. Yeah. And that's what we're going to buy. I, I just don't think that this thing's going to... I mean, you'll get the the people that'll see this thing on the shelf that, that aren't um, really in the know, and they'll probably pick it up because they're like, oh, I had a Sega Genesis when I was a kid. And then they'll get it home, and it's going to be a pile of junk. So, I don't know. Yeah. yeah I just don't really don't see this thing having very you know a a very long shelf life no and it's a shame because i I love the feature that you can put cartridges in it yeah i wish the snes had that feature but you know if it's a crap product i mean if you're gonna go that far and you want something that you can actually put cartridges in just go and get yourself like a retron spend the money to get a retron or something like that yeah that's what i would suggest but, uh, yep. but coming up right now, we have this month in video game history. In August of 1982, uh, overlooked arc- arcade games are revitalized as ColecoVision launch titles, including Cosmic Avenger, Mousetrap, Ladybug, and Venture. Did you ever have a ColecoVision? I did not. I've heard of ColecoVision. But I never owned one, and I've never played one. Yeah, Coleco. I never play. Uh, had one, but ColecoVision was always that weird console that, like, your you know, one of your distant cousins would have that you go to like a family reunion, and there'd be like this old ColecoVision like rotting in the corner that nobody played in a decade. That's pretty much what a ColecoVision is. It sounds like an '80s camera. Yeah, it it doesn't really look like a video game console it looks really odd i don't yeah i'm looking at a picture now it looks almost like a vcr with a really weird remote control yeah um the only you know atari was really the only uh gaming console at that time that actually looked like a video game console everything else just looked like weird no like audio or stereo equipment or something like that yeah yeah, but it's 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 interesting. Like I, I've heard stories about the ColecoVision, but you know, never never played one. But on August twenty fourth, nineteen eighty two, Ultima two: The Revenge of the Enchantress is released. We've talked about yeah. Ultima a few times on this podcast. <laughs> it seems one like, of the longest running game series that that we've seen. Yeah, it seems like every month we're talking about an Ultima release back in the eighties. Yeah. But yeah, it's um, um it, it's it's pretty nuts. Yeah, it's still around, so apparently it's got some legs. Yeah. Um, on August 6th of 1986, Nintendo releases Metroid by Makoto Kano, the first in the Metroid series. 
Uh, what can we say about Metroid other than one of the greatest uh, Nintendo franchises of all time? It needs to be brought back. Yes, ASAP. I mean, I know we, we've got Metroid Prime Four in the works, but I'm excited for the uh, the cartoon that they're developing for Netflix. Oh, me too. I, if Castlevania is any sign of how those are going to be, oh, Metroid is so going to be really, really good. If you haven't seen Castlevania yet, people, what are you doing? Why are you listening to this show and you haven't seen Castlevania yet on Netflix? It, go stop listening to the show right now. Go watch. Uh, Castlevania, it'll take you like an hour and a half, and then you come back and you finish the show out. Thank That's you. what I was about to say. It's not going to take that long. <laughs> yeah. You finish it before like midnight. Yeah. Um, On uh, August. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, August 15th, 1986, Electronic Arts releases open-ended space, space exploration adventure game Starflight, which goes on to sell a million copies. Never heard of this before in my life. I have not either. The I'm looking at the box art. It looks very, very 80s game like with just the little photo in the middle. And you've got, you know, the huge black border with the title at the top. Yeah. Um, Interesting name. I, yeah. I know nothing about it. No, I don't either. I've never even heard of this. But I have heard of this next game in August, also in August of 1986. The Taito Corporation, I need to say that right, or Wally will correct me again on uh, on Twitter. <laughs> hashtag fact check. <laughs> hashtag fact check. Hashtag fake news. Uh, Taito Corporation releases Bubble Bobble. Have you ever played Bubble Bobble? I actually have it on the shelf right over there right behind me. I have. It's actually on the NES Classic. Yes. Pretty Bubble fun Bobble game. Bobble. I've played it you know, just a handful of times, but... But it's good. I it's, like it. it. It's up there with one of those uh, puzzle kind of puzzle games, you know, in that vein of uh, Dr. Mario and Tetris. You know, it, it's kind of takes a lot of skill and the game gets harder as you go along, that type of thing. So if you like those type of games like Tetris and Dr. Mario and things of that nature, go get Bubble Bobble. You'll you'll love it. For sure. And coming up here uh, before we do our review for tonight, we usually talk about books. So, Derek. I'll let you start it off, and then I'm going to talk about the atrocity that I saw on the screen today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. All right. <clears throat> I love the Dark Tower series. Other than that, the Lord of the Rings and... Um, I think probably the uh, one other book I've probably read as many times as those is uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which was my favorite book as a kid. I probably read it like 20 times as a kid. I'm still in the middle of reading the Dark Tower series right now. I'm on book five as we speak. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Which you need to get it audible because it's great. The movie, I don't know what they were thinking when they made this movie. Like, look, I, I like Idris Elba. I, I like Matthew McConaughey. The kid was good. The kid made a good Jake. But it was like, what is this? What am I watching? It like, I it left so much shit on the table. And then just, it didn't get anything right. Nothing. It got nothing right about the book. So if you've seen the movie and you're like, meh, and you've never read the books and you're like, man, I don't have any desire to read the book. Please do me a favor. Go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Get yourself the Dark Tower book one, The Gunslinger, and just do it. It's so good. It's so good. Not the movie. The movie's awful. So is it they just didn't really do an adaptation of the series? They just like used characters and kind of came up with their own story? Pretty much, yeah. It was nothing like the books. It didn't feel like the books. The characters weren't true to what uh you know, their characters in the book. And a lot of the character the main characters are missing from the movie. Um I just I don't understand like why would you do that when you have all this source material to pull from? Which is why I never understood why they made it as a movie in the first place. It they should have done a Game of Thrones style HBO show, um, and you yeah. could have done you know if you're doing a season per book, you would have had let's see like eight or nine books, including uh, the newest one he put out a few years ago, uh, The Wind Through the Keyhole, which kind of takes place between books five and six, I think, uh, is where it's supposed to go. You would have had like eight seasons of television to go through yeah i just i don't get it why do you uh, i don't understand hollywood sometimes man it just drives me nuts yeah i won't get into the whole discussion because that it could be honestly its own separate podcast yeah, but we should, we should there are that. certain <laughs> there are certain things that would work better as tv than they would movies oh yeah and yeah, it sounds exactly. like the dark tower is one of those yeah i've been waiting 20 years 20 plus years for this movie to see the dark tower on the silver screen and it was disappointing that's all i gotta say it was disappointing but to download your free audiobook today go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave again that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial so let's pick it back up and let's review this for this week That's some jaunty music right there. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> this week, I will be reviewing quite a popular game for originally the Sega Genesis, but also for the Super Nintendo. A game that, surprisingly, I never played as a kid 
or when it came out. Um, this week I will be reviewing Earthworm Jim. It is a 1994 run-and-gun platforming video game developed by Shiny Entertainment featuring an earthworm named Jim in a robotic suit who battles evil. The game was released for the Sega Genesis in 1994 and subsequently ported to a number of other video game consoles. Now, my my knowledge of Earthworm Jim when this game came out, I knew of it, and it seemed like one of those games that I would love to play. But I was so into Mario, Sonic, Zelda, and various other RPGs for the Super Nintendo at that time that it's a game that just kind of you know went by the wayside for me. Yeah, I knew of the uh, the cartoon that used to be on WB Kids. Um, watched a little bit of it, like I had kind of a brief knowledge of it, but again, it was one of those things that I never really got into. Um, so kind of the story of how I was introduced to this was a couple of weeks ago, I was at a local retro game store and I happened to find a copy of Earthworm Jim for a reasonable price. So of course I picked it up and, um, I was talking with the guy who runs the store and he said, uh, cause I told him I'd never played it before. And he said, Oh, well, did you ever play that game? Uh, conquers bad fur day. And I was like, yeah. And he said, Oh, well, it's kind of similar to that. It's really wacky, really over the top. And he was not wrong. Uh, I will say I have not beat this game because in the beginning it was so, <laughs> it was so frustratingly hard that after about 15 minutes, I stopped playing it. Mm-hmm. Like I was just so frustrated because I could not get past New Junk City. Yeah, it took I, me forever to finally do it. I remember as a kid, um, I could get to about level two or three, um, and I played this game constantly for a couple of months. And I, I like you, uh, I don't think there are very many people on the planet that have beaten this game. I mean, this is probably up there on the level of like Super Meat Boy frustrating. Yeah, it's just because it's, it feels like no matter how much you try, there's always that one enemy that's just going to swoop out of nowhere yep. and you're dead. <laughs> and it's a beautiful game. Uh, oh, I, the graphics are great. It's one of the better. I mean, some, some of the best graphics for uh, the Super Nintendo up there with, you know, Donkey Kong Country as far as a side scroller goes, because it almost mm-hmm. looks like, you know, like paintings that he's running through mm-hmm. and the character animations are just so wacky and awesome and just smooth. It's, it's crazy like to go back and look at this game and, and be like, how did they do this on a super Nintendo? Like this just looks like it needed to be like, like I'd be surprised to see something with this level of graphics, like today, you know, on yeah. like a PlayStation four as a side scroller. It has the look of a lot of modern-day indie games Mm -hmm. that you would download like on the Switch or on the PS4. Yeah, it's way ahead of its time. And I think that that might have worked against it as well at the time. Um, Don't get me wrong, it was a popular game and popular series, but like you said, I think it passed a lot of people by. Um, because of, I think it was because of the time that it was released, because you had Mario, Mm -hmm. you had Sonic, when people still loved Sonic games, you had Crash Bandicoot. Yeah. You had all these other characters, and Earthworm Jim was just kind of... People knew of him, 
but I didn't know a lot of people who played the Earthworm Jim series. I feel like if maybe, I don't know if like, I don't know what era he could have been released and it would have been better received. Well, it, it falls kind of in the same category of like Ratchet and Clank, kind of that early 2000s uh, PlayStation 2 era type of, you know, type of uh, almost like, I don't want to say animation era of stuff that's like ver- that could easily be turned into like an animated movie or whatever. It sort of falls in that category of those type of games to me. Yeah. I think that's a good comparison. Uh, but the plot of the game, Jim is a normal earthworm until a special super suit falls from the sky and allows him to operate much like a human with his worm part acting as a head and the suit acting as arms, body, and legs. Jim's task is twofold. He must evade the game's many antagonists who are after him because they want the suit back and also rescue and protect Princess What's-Her-Name from them. I love that name, by the way. <laughs> Uh, the game plays out with Jim eluding and defeating all enemies and saving Princess What's Her Name. However, not only does she not return Jim's affection, but she is also <laughs> she's also crushed by the flying cow that was launched at the beginning of the game by Jim himself. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, that is so so good. And like, the, it, I, I love that that the goofiness of this game. And like I said, yes. this could have really been a huge franchise. Like, it has the makings of a huge franchise to me. Like, I'm talking movies, uh, TV shows, toys. I just think the game was a little too hard for yeah. like kids at the time to get into it. I wish that they would bring this series back because you wouldn't even have to really do it too many, too much different graphic wise. You could still have a 2d game like this, because as we mentioned, a lot of modern games like a super meat boy or a lot of indie games look like this. Mm -hmm. Actually, this looks a lot lot better than some of the indie games I've seen like on steam and stuff. Yeah. And this is a game that was released in 1994. Yeah. You're talking and the graphics still hold up. Oh, yeah, like crazy. The music, you know, the story, the gameplay. I mean, the gameplay is nice, and it flows, and, and it, you know, it feels great to play the game. It's just, it's so ridiculously hard. <laughs> like, it doesn't yeah. need to be that hard. It, it took me a while to actually really figure out the controls. And I know it's simple, but it was like I would try to go through New Junk City, and I would just always die. Yeah. at a certain point. But then when I finally started playing a little bit smarter, you know, I made it past there and then went to, I, I'm on level three mm. right now, the, the, the tube level. Um, some of the boss oh, yeah, battles are pretty cool. That. The ones that I have done. Um, the second boss, I think was like the, the rats, the giant rats that you have to fight. Yeah. You start the fight, you're out of the super suit. And I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do? So I'm just kind of jumping around like, oh my God, I can't do anything. No. Which level and then is I it finally that, figured it out. that you're actually on the rocket and you're going through kind of like hyperspace or whatever and you're trying to blow up like uh, asteroids and stuff like that? This has been a while oh, those, since I played this. Those are, um, those are like bonus levels that you do after you complete a main level. You're uh, racing uh, Psychro oh, yeah, yeah. through the... Um, through this like hyperspace tunnel and you're having to avoid asteroids and you can, you can hit little marks where you can like have a quick boost so you can get past them. You have little orbs you collect. 
uh, is, to my knowledge, it's between all of the levels because it's it was after level one and two. Yeah. Um, the the cool thing about this game is not only do you have your gun, but you uh you can use his head, <laughs> Earth yeah, Jim's head as like a whip, <laughs> and you can use it to like swing from from different like uh, you know just using it like like Indiana Jones uses his whip to like go across chat like chasms and stuff. It's really yeah. cool and really fun. A funny fact about this, um, the I was looking at the voice cast for the cartoon. And the voice of Psycho was Jim Cummings, really? who was the voice of Darkwing Duck. I did not know that. I had forgotten mm-hmm. that this was a cartoon as well. Like you, you mm-hmm. just brought that memory back to me. Like I completely uh, blanked on that. Yeah, I never really watched it, but I I knew that it was on Kids WB, which I I didn't. I grew up not having that channel, so I never really watched it. I've just seen you know little clips that I've watched here and there on YouTube. Yeah, but well, it, it it's a great concept. I love the universe. I love the wackiness, the over-the-top characters. Yeah. I just feel like it was released during a time where it was not necessarily doomed to fail, but I think it was doomed to kind of get lost in the shuffle because Mario, Sonic, Zelda, Crash Bandicoot, all those franchises were so successful. And it was really kind of, in my opinion, the golden years mm-hmm. of those franchises, especially Sonic. Oh yeah, and it it just kind of it kind of got lost in the shuffle. And I really think Earthworm Jim, if it was a Sega exclusive, he would have been a better mascot for Sega. He would have been a longer lasting and uh, mascot for Sega than uh, Sonic. At least I think, in my opinion, because I don't know if they would have toned down the, the the difficulty on the game to where it was a little more accessible to to younger players. I really do think this game could have been like Earthworm Jim could he could have been up there with like Mario and Sonic and you know Link. I really do if it was as an exclusive, but you know it was a third party developer. I think it would have had a better transition to 3D as well. Yeah, because that's something that has I think really hurt the Sonic franchise. Mm-hmm. The 2D games are are great, and I still like the 3D ones, <clears throat> but they don't they're not nearly as good as the 2d ones. That's why I'm like stoked for Sonic mania, which I think actually comes out this week. Yeah. I'm really excited to play that because it's updated versions of some of the old levels. In addition to new ones with the same graphic style as like a Sonic two or a Sonic three. Yeah. So I, I really think that if they maybe considered bringing Earthworm Jim back, even if it was a 2D game, because I know they did a sequel, but maybe if they did like an Earthworm Jim 3. Well, it says I'd they, love to um, see it. It says Gameloft developed a high-definition remake for the PlayStation Network and Xbox Live titled Earthworm Jim HD in 2010. I remember that. I don't remember that. And that's mm-hmm. right around the time you know that I was heavily into Xbox 360. I would have picked this up. It's just passed. Yeah, it me says by. it says here reception was less positive. IGN and GameSpot both felt that the surreal art style and animation stood the test of time, but felt that some gameplay aspects and controls felt dated in comparison to modern platformers. Yeah. And the iPhone version of the game was criticized for its sloppy controls, mostly due to being touchscreen only. That's understandable. Yeah, and I think you're right. I really do think Earthworm Jim could have made a, a leap to uh, 3D environments way better than Sonic the Hedgehog did. Yes. Um, you know, I, I really do think that 
if they were to make a real push to bring back Earthworm Jim, especially as a, you know, uh, on the Nintendo Switch, like a new game, I really do think mm-hmm. that, you know, his day could still come. I, I don't see why not, because a lot of the the mascot era, you know, we've talked about this occasionally on the podcast. The mascot era, with the exception of Mario, is pretty much dead. But I feel like maybe that would work to its advantage, where it wouldn't have to necessarily compare to those games. It would just be like, oh, Earthworm Jim's back. Let's check it out. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't be like, oh, well, you know, it's not Mario. It's not Sonic. It's not any of these other games. It would just kind of stand on its own. And I, I think that, you know, if they were to to release a third game, I think with it being this modern era, it would kind of work to its advantage. Yeah, because now's the time to do it, especially, you know, with, with retro gaming be as, being as popular as it is and people wanting these old franchises to come back. Um, I think it's a good time to bring back Earthworm Jim. Um, and actually I was just reading right here, uh, the part you were just, I was just asking you about the in-between levels, a racing level called Andy asteroids is played. Unlike the rest mm-hmm. of the game, it places the viewpoint behind Jim. The player must direct Jim on his rocket in a race against psycho through a tube like structure while collecting items and boosts and avoiding asteroids. Um, if the player wins, the next level is started instantly. If the player loses, a special boss fight against Psycho must be won in order to progress to the next level. Like, just stuff like that that just makes this game so hard. You know, like, yeah. you beat the level, and then if you don't beat the in-between level, you can't get to the next level unless you have another boss fight. Like, the, come on, man, we're kids. <laughs> uh, the, the asteroid racing was honestly really fun. Like I, I'd put yeah. it on the same level as the the two D you know side scroller type, uh, but it says here Earthworm Jim 3D was released for the N64 and PC, and Earthworm Jim Menace to the Galaxy for the Game Boy Color were produced in 1999, but they were developed without the involvement of Shiny Entertainment and were mostly met with negative reviews. I vaguely remember Earthworm Jim 3D. I don't remember that. Yeah, I recognize the cover. Hmm. But either way, I I still think that you could bring Earthworm Jim back. And I think it would be, if it were like the original, but the difficulty was maybe toned down a bit, I think it would be really well received. Because that universe, I I love, if you're going to go over the top, you need to just own it. And they own it. Like the characters are over the top. The environment is really colorful, really crazy. You can see why you would like it as a kid. It was almost like a a Rocco's Modern Life type thing where it's just everything's so bright, wacky, and colorful that you can't help but be attracted to it. Yeah. So I know you haven't finished the game, but as it stands right now, what would you give this game as far as uh, a number grade? Um, it is tough because I haven't completed the game yet, but I would say so far my impressions, I would give it, I'd give it probably a seven. It would be a little bit higher if it wasn't so ridiculously hard yeah. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't quit playing after 15 minutes, yeah. <laughs> but I, I can't wait. I can't wait to keep playing it. You know, I'll have some more time off uh, later on this week. So I'm definitely going to play it some more and, uh, I look forward to it. I, I do want to watch the cartoon 
sometime this week, even if it's not like a full episode. I want to watch some clips from it just to see what it's like. Yeah, I wonder if it's on YouTube or somewhere you can download it. I'm sure it's the clips have got to be on YouTube. Yeah, I'll look it up on them. I actually found this really cool site uh, called Just Watch, and it tells you where you can type in whatever you want, and it tells you where it's streaming or where you can nice. get it from. Uh, not a plug for them. It's just, you know, it's like a really cool site I found. Uh, if you if you ever wanted a site where you like, I wonder if this is streaming and you go in there and you just type in some random TV show from like the early 80s and it'll tell you where to find it. Yeah, uh, I'll end it on saying that, you know, reception for the game was very positive. It was awarded best Genesis game of 1994 by Electronic Gaming Monthly. GamePro gave the Genesis version a perfect score. Of Famicom Toshushin, I'm sure I pronounced that wrong, uh, scored the Super Famicom version of the game a 30 out of 40. And out of the top 200 Nintendo Power games list, it was rated 114. Wow. And overall scores give it, you know, around the around the high eights. Yeah. And then Maximum gives it a 4 out of 5 stars. Well, I, so overall, really good reviews. If I can find it, I'm going to pick it up because um, I don't know exactly. Let's uh, let's do our little weekly search where we see how much these games are going for on eBay. Uh, let's just look up the SNES version because that's what I mostly play on. Jim SNES. Um, let's see. Earthworm Jim. Buy it now. Twenty four eighty seven, which is not bad. Or you can buy one without a label for six ninety nine. <laughs> but yeah, it looks like I, it, it, I wouldn't buy it without a label. Yeah, it looks like it hovers around like the twenty five to thirty five dollar range, depending on if you want a manual with it, um, and you know the the shape of the cart and all that kind of stuff. So it, it it'll probably run you about thirty bucks, which ain't bad. Yeah, I I was able to find it for twenty. Oh, and I, awesome. I figured that would be probably the best I could find it for. So yeah, and um, it's a. I've never really seen it in person lately, so I yeah. decided to go ahead and get it. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about really quick before we get out of here tonight. Uh, we talked last week about the, um, which I want to talk about this in depth next week if you can watch it. Uh, the um, Night Trap 25th Anniversary documentary that is on mm -hmm. YouTube. I watched it last night, and it is excellent. If you love um, video game documentaries, it's it's up there um, with one of the best. It's really good. They really did their homework for this thing. Sweet, yeah. I'll. Um, I wasn't able to watch it this week. the The week kind of got away from me, so yeah. I'll I'll definitely sit down and watch it uh, later on this week. Yeah, and it's only like forty five minutes long, so it's not. It doesn't take forever to watch it. So. Um, yeah, I would say everybody listening, please go to YouTube and watch that. And um, we'll discuss that a little bit next week if you can get a chance to watch it. For sure. But uh, other than that, is there anything you want to bring up before we leave tonight? Um, No, other than just, you know, be sure to check out the Derek Diamond Experience podcast every Thursday uh, on iTunes and all other various podcasting platforms. Did a really fun uh, Facebook Live Q&A last week. Uh, might be doing another one again this week. Uh, we'll just have to see. So just uh, follow me on uh, Facebook, Twitter, the show pages at D Diamond Podcast to find out what this week's episode will be.
Sweet. I saw that you did that, but I haven't had a chance to watch. I'm a little bit behind on my uh, podcast listening this week. Um, but as same far here as pop culture palette goes, uh, we just uh, had our 150th episode uh, just That's released right. this weekend. So go over there to uh, go to Twitter at PCP rate uh, at PCP show, uh, or you can go to PCPradio.com. Um, we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash pop culture palette and uh, go over there and subscribe to the show on iTunes or uh, downcast wherever you listen to your shows. And uh, also one thing before we go, please, uh, wherever you download this from, uh, whether it's uh, iTunes or downcast or um, overcast, wherever you listen to it. Go on there, leave us a review, and that'll boost us up in the rankings. We've got a, a really good listener base right now, but you know what? Mm -hmm. I want more. <laughs> I want more, more listeners. More, yes. More listeners. And I think we can get it, but the only way we're going to do that is for you people to do a little work. If you like the show, go over there and give us a review, and uh, go follow us on Twitter and at, on Facebook and uh, share us and get some more people on board. And, um, yeah, so thank you, uh, for those that have left reviews and, uh, I'm going to start collecting those and, um, uh, giving you a shout out on the show. So thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. But other than that, let me go ahead and get our music started and you can find us at nerdcaveretro.com. You can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. You can follow us on Twitter individually at jfunktastic and at, at Derek underscore, if I can say it, at Derek underscore diamond. Uh, we're also on facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So Derek, tell them what it's all about. Groovy. <laughs> been listening to a nerd cave network production even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.